but it's also being the one who creates the environment that tailbearing is a multi-billion dollar industry. We should say, I don't want to know the salacious details. I got enough going on in my own world. I have so much that I have to deal with right here. Who am I to talk about someone else's issues? So you know what the thing is about all this gossipy stuff? Is that imagine if people were following Christians you around to catch you at a bad Christians are often called out by non-believers as being hypocrites especially when a person claims to follow Jesus, but their actions show otherwise. But it's true, Christians are hypocrites. We all have a hypocrisy factor because we're flawed as people. Today, Pastor Daniel helps us to identify and deal with those areas in our lives where our flesh and our faith are at odds. It starts with a plea for God to take our hearts and heal them. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part two of his message entitled, Run Away. The righteousness of the blameless will direct his way aright, but the wicked will fall by his own wickedness. So now again, righteousness of the blameless. Now we have another characteristic of faithfulness, somebody who is unable to be blamed and it will direct their way but the wicked will fall. And then the righteousness, verse 6, of the upright will deliver them, but the unfaithful will be caught by their lust. This reminds us of Luke chapter 16, verses 10 to 12. It says, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful In the unrighteous mammon, who will commit your trust? The true riches. And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? See, Jesus is getting at something that's really important. He says, look, we need to be faithful on the step that we're on. It says that if we're faithful in the little things, what? God will give us greater things. See, what most of us do is we don't want to be faithful where we are. We're like, when I get there, that's when I'll take care of business. And no, 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 listen. There is no dress rehearsal for life. The step that you're on, you need to run away from being unfaithful. If you're a single person right now, guess what? You need to be unfaithful. You need to be faithful in your singleness, right? If you're a married person, you need to be faithful in your marriage. If you are unemployed, you need to be faithful in your unemployment. And if you are employed, you need to be faithful in your employment. If you have a friend, you need to be faithful as a friend. And if you have no friends, maybe you might want to check if you're being a faithful friend. See, we need to abide where we are and be faithful on the step we're on. Because what most of us do is we say, look, I'll really work hard once I get that raise. No, you won't. Because you can get the raise. And because you are not faithful in where you are, you're not going to be faithful then. You're going to cut corners then. See, we need to run away from unfaithfulness because for many of us, we are not faithful in any way. We have mixture in our lives. We're at our jobs and we're goofing off because nobody knows. God knows. 
See, faithfulness is in the quiet places of our own heart in the places that we make decisions. So we need to run away from infidelity, unfaithfulness. Over and over again, we see that unfaithfulness, unrighteousness, wickedness being perverse, all of it leads to a bad spot. And isn't that the the problem with things like a lack of faithfulness? The cutting corners, you think you're getting somewhere quicker. That's why you do it, right? You think, if I do it this way, I can cut a corner, I'm going to get a little bit farther. But ultimately, it ends up getting you quick, more quickly towards destruction. Run away from unfaithfulness. And when you run away from being unfaithful, you run right into faithfulness. And Joseph was a great example of faithfulness. We talked about him already. The prophet Daniel was a great example of faithfulness. He was in the Babylonian Empire. Right? The first generation who were exiled out of um, the nation of Israel. And Daniel was faithful to the Lord and to King Nebuchadnezzar. I mean, in some ways, Daniel thrived in Babylon because he was faithful to the Lord. See, oftentimes we say, I will be faithful if the circumstances are different. No, you won't be. The circumstances will be different because the faithfulness is not situationally derived. So we have to run away from unfaithfulness. So look at the person next to you and say, run away. Go ahead. All right, you guys are kind of getting weak again. So can we do it again? Go ahead. Look at him and say, and say it like you mean it with a high-pitched voice like a little kid. Run away. That's right. That's what I like. Good job. We need to run away from unfaithfulness. Now look at what happens in verse 7. When a wicked man dies, his expectation will perish, and the hope of the unjust perishes. The righteous is delivered from trouble, and it comes to the wicked instead. The hypocrite with his mouth destroys his neighbor, but through knowledge the righteous will be delivered. When it goes well with the righteous, a city rejoices, and when the wicked perish, there is jubilation. Now, Next, we learn we need to run away from hypocrisy. We need to run away from hypocrisy. All the way through this, we have the discussion of the man who plays the hypocrite. When a wicked man dies, his expectation will perish. The hope of the unjust perishes. The righteous is delivered from trouble, and it comes to the wicked. Instead, the hypocrite with his mouth destroys his neighbor, and through knowledge, the righteous will be delivered When it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices. But when the wicked perish, there is jubilation. Now, what is hypocrisy? The problem with words is that oftentimes we don't go back and notice what the meaning of the words are. The word hypocrisy in the Greek is hupokrite. You like that, right? It's pretty deep. That's called transliteration. They take it from one language and stick it in the other language. Hupo means two, krites means faces. It actually comes, the word hypocrisy comes from a Greek form of theater. We would see something like, you ever see somebody who's an actor who they have their face painted with two different types of makeup and and they're playing two characters at the same time? In Greek theater, the hupokrite was somebody who actually wore two masks. And they would, talk, they would turn one way and they would talk with one voice and then they would turn the other way and talk with another voice. It was one actor with two faces, two characters. That is hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is the ability to be two different people at the exact same time. And guess what? We are all masters of hypocrisy, 
right? You know how it goes when you go to work and your boss, you just don't like them. And you say, oh, it's so good to see you today. Now, again, it's better than the alternative is be like, man, I wish you'd drop dead and died on the way to the office. That's a heart problem, you know what I mean? Hypocrisy is the, is the ability to smile at someone and be so kind to them and really hate their guts. Hypocrisy is alive and well, my friends, and let's be honest. Our culture loves it when Christians play the hypocrite, don't they? There's nothing our culture loves more than somebody who believes in Jesus who does something dumb. They run that thing out there. Like, oh, yeah, it's like, we've, you know, we've seen it just recently. The tale of two American families, the Duggars and the Jenner Kardashians, right? Neither family's perfect, right? I mean, one family, the dad's dressing up like a woman right now, and, and that's like a hero for ESPN. And the other family, a young son, and, I, and listen, I'm not going easy on abuse in any, but a 14-year-old kid made a series of bad decisions, and they went to the police. One gets pulled off the air, the other one gets a bigger show. Why? Because our culture loves it when Christians show themselves to be hypocritical. What it says is, I don't really need to bow my knee to Jesus. That's what it says. When Tim Tebow, I mean, he, he's in training camp for the Eagles right now. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm a New York Giants fan, so if he makes the Eagles, I'm still going to boo him. In Jesus' name. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you pray for me. But it's like everybody wants to see Tim Tebow fail. Why? I mean, why? I'll tell you why. Because he believes in Jesus. He's unafraid to say it. See, our culture wants to see Christians as hypocrites because it says you don't need to follow Jesus. So you and I need to run away from hypocrisy. And we have the ability to do it. You do and I do it. It comes so naturally because hypocrisy is a form of self-preservation, right? I know I may not like this, but I just got to play the part to be fine, right? We need to run away from hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is a cancer in our lives. It shows people that Jesus isn't real. It shows people that we are not people who say what we mean and mean what we say. Listen to Jesus in Matthew chapter 15, verses seven and nine. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, the religious leaders of his day. He says, hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy about you saying, these people draw near to me with their mouth and they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me and in vain they worship me, teaching the doctrines, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. See, Jesus is saying, look, your mouth is close, but your heart is far. That's how we know. That's how hypocrisy plays, where we can say, I love the Lord, but our heart doesn't love the Lord, but we know we say it. And really, I'm here to tell you this. Because we all have a hypocrisy factor, all of us do. Can we just admit that? We all have a hypocrisy quotient in our own life. But the key is, is when we say, God, my mouth is saying I'm for Jesus and I'm for the love of God and loving my neighbor, but I'm really struggling with it. We go to the Lord and say, God, I'm being such a hypocrite because I know that I'm supposed to love them, but I really don't. Will you change my heart? Will you draw my heart closer? Like the old hymn, Lord, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. But here's my heart, Lord, taken, seal it, seal it for thy courts above. See, we need God to seal our hearts, to take our hearts and bolt it to his throne. Because if not, we're going to wander. We are sheep that go astray. We all do it. But we have to say, God, I want you to take my heart, and I want you to keep it so close to you, Lord, 
that I may not play the hypocrite, that I may not be super spiritual at church on Sunday or midweek on Wednesday or women's group on Tuesday or men's group on Tuesday or second Saturday, the second Saturday of the month or at the picnic, I might not be the most spiritual guy in the bunch and I go home and I look at junk on the internet and I don't love my wife. Brothers and sisters, we need to say, God, do a work in me. See, and this is what I love, because this stuff is heavy. And it's like, wow, Pastor Jeff's coming out hard on us. This is what the gospel is all about. This is why there's so much hope in the gospel, because God isn't saying, you got to get everything right. And if you get everything wrong, I'm going to get rid of you. You got to say, look, you don't get everything right. I know it, and you know it. Let me do a work in your life right now. And if you're here right now, and you've never said yes to Jesus, you find yourself in all these, like, yeah, I am dishonest. I am hypocritical. I am prideful. I am unfaithful. And listen, that is why Jesus died and rose again, my friends. Because Jesus knows that that's who we are. God says that's who we are. And he said, look, just come to me and I will receive you and accept you and forgive you for all that stuff just as you are. But I'm going to do a work because I'm not going to leave you that way. The opposite of hypocrisy is integrity, really. And when you and I run from hypocrisy, we run to integrity. We run to integrity. So I want you to look at the person next to you and say, run away. Go ahead. You guys are all starting to match pitch now. It's really good. It's, it's amazing how that happens. In the beginning, it's conformity at its finest, you know? Everyone's got the pitch down. It's super good. It's the way it works. But I bring it up because that's exactly what Jesus wants. See, Jesus sounds this note of integrity. He sounds this note of humility. And we, over time, start to conform to it by the power of the Holy Spirit. I knew it was going to say, I've done this before, so I knew that over time, by the fourth one, everyone's going to be saying run away in the same note, because that's exactly what God wants to do in our life, conform us, transform us to be like him. In the beginning, everyone was making all these different runaway sounds. Now it's pretty solid. Now I know the next time, because you guys are rebellious, you're all going to mess it up again, but that's how it goes. Look at the next one, verse 11. Look at what it says. By the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted, but it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. He who is devoid of wisdom despises his neighbor, but a man of understanding holds his peace. A talebearer reveals secrets, but he who is of an unfaithful, or he who is of a faithful spirit conceals a matter. Now, it's amazing how often this is coming up in the book of Proverbs, but now we're learning that we need to run away from gossip. We need to run away from gossip. It's amazing. We've seen this almost every study, haven't we? The mouth is a big-time character in the book of Proverbs. And as I've always said it, when something is repeated over and over and over again, it's because the Holy Spirit realizes that we can be a little bit slow on the uptake, we can be a little dense, and repetition is the greatest teacher. And so we hear it over and over again because God knows that we really struggle with this and we're really used to being gossips. We're really used to loving the latest information. We love to be a talebearer. I mean, think about the money in our news media that is made by the first person to break a story. I talked about the New York Giants, our best star defensive lineman, Jason Pierre-Paul, blew up half of his hand on the 4th of July, right? And literally, there was a journalist who literally got his medical records and published them online. 
And it became a big discussion about the integrity of journalism and this or that. But that guy's not going to complain because he made more money on that story than he'll probably make ever in his life because he was the first one to get the goods, to get the story. And we love that stuff. I mean, how often? It's a huge industry. Everything about superstars and sports stars and movie stars. We want to know all the little juicy, gory details. Now that Facebook has news on it, almost all the news is gossip about people we don't know and will never know, but for some reason we're really interested in all the salacious details. And I'm here to tell you, my friends, it's gossip. And gossip is not only being the talebearer, but it's also being the one who creates the environment that talebearing is a multi-billion dollar industry. We should say, I don't want to know the salacious details. I got enough going on in my own world. I have so much that I have to deal with right here. Who am I to talk about someone else's issues? So you know what the thing is about all this gossipy stuff? Is that imagine if people were following you around to catch you at a bad day. I mean, it's terrifying. I think about these people who every time they walk out of their house, there's people snapping pictures. That's terrifying. I just imagine if they snapped pictures of me this morning when I went out to water the hanging plants in front of the house. Like, it was like, it's like pre-two-minute message for Fusco. It's bad. They're like, oh, Fusco wears sweatpants. You know, who cares? Like, it's crack of dawn. Like, nobody wants to be anywhere right now. Gossip, it's sin, it's slander. Why do we do it? Who cares? We've been seeing this also. I don't want to belabor it. But instead of, when you run away from gossip, you run towards being, using words of blessing. See, you can either use your words to tear somebody down or you can use words to build somebody up. And guess what? The person that you tear down when you gossip is first yourself, secondly, the person who's hearing you, and then third, the person you're gossiping about. So everybody gets undercut by gossip. But instead, we should use words of blessing. Listen to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. How, we've, been training, we've been teaching our kids this verse lately, and it's been really ministering to Lynn and I. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. God created our mouth. And we talked about this, the power of the tongue, that we may impart grace with our words. Isn't that the complete opposite of, oh, did you hear that so-and-so? Oh, yeah, they... You know, this, they lost their job, and this thing happened, and they got it, this thing and that. Oh, yeah, and so-and-so got their lips blown up with some stuff that makes your lips puffy or something. <laughs> it's like, who, how is that grace being imparted with words? Like, it's flesh. It's just flesh. But we need to run away from gossip. We need to run away from gossip so that we can run towards these words of blessing. So with gossip, we need to run away. Look at the person next to you say, run away! Go ahead. <laughs> now you notice how I chastised you guys for messing it up. You still hit the same note. I'm so proud of you guys. This is my psychology degree at work for all of you guys. It's just a wild, amazing thing. Run away from gossip. Now, I'm going to invite the brothers McClurg to come on out as I close this out. Last thing to run away from. Look at verse 14. Look at what it says. Where there is no counsel, the people fall but in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. So finally, my friends, we need to run away from isolation. 
We need to run away from isolation. See, the idea here is somebody who is making decisions devoid of anybody else's ideas. Somebody who is unilaterally making decisions on their own. And when somebody is isolated, there's no counsel. It says that the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. So when you run away from isolation, you run into a multitude of counselors. Now listen, this is important. You have to ask yourself, are the people that you're getting counsel from actually good counselors? And this is an important thing. And the greatest example we have of this in our Bibles is Solomon's son, Rehoboam. Remember, he took over for King Solomon. He was the son. And the advisors, the older people in his generation, in this case, the older people are giving good advice. It's not always the case. The older people say, no, listen, your father was rushing, running people really hard, and it was really, really rough. And so you need to alleviate the burden on the people, and then the people will follow you. And then he went to his buddies, Rehum, the young man, and he said, oh, yeah, so they're saying this, you know, we, I should alleviate. And they're like, oh, man, forget that. They're just trying to make you like, like a lapdog king. You need to tell them, man, my father, he was nothing compared to me. I'm going to drive you guys so hard, you never, never see nothing yet. And sure enough, he takes his buddies' counsel instead of the wisdom of the elders of the city. And what happened? The kingdom split. Ten northern tribes went with a man named Jeroboam. And only two, the two southern tribes stayed with the King Rehoboam, because he took counsel, he just chose the wrong counsel. You have the same thing with King David in the rebellion of Absalom. If you would have listened to Ahithophel, it would have worked. But God frustrated Ahithophel's counsel. You can look all this up. You have to ask yourself, one, are you unilaterally making decisions without counsel? Isolation will make people fall. Second, are you getting good counsel from people who are good counselors. And this is the thing, you know what the problem is? Everybody thinks that they're a good counselor. That's how it works. Like I know right after the service, about 10 of you are gonna come back, Pastor Daniel, I'll counsel you. <laughs> that's how it goes, man. Everybody's the best counselor, you know? And that's how it goes. But listen, you have to ask yourself, are you making decisions in isolation without the wisdom of godly people who are prayerful people, people who don't necessarily even wanna be your counselor? but somebody who fasts and prays and they have a proven character of following Jesus. Those are the type of people you want to say, hey, what do you think about this? It's like getting marriage counseling from somebody who you'd never want your marriage to be like theirs. Or get character counseling from somebody you think has no character. You need a group of people who you could say, hey, what about this? What should we do with this? If we are isolated, destruction will happen because... You're only as good as the thoughts that you think on the day that you're thinking them. But if you have godly counselors around you, it says here, in the multitude of counselors, there is what? Safety. So often, we forget to run away from isolation, and we end up running into issues. So brothers and sisters, listen. As we close, we love everything positive. But in order to have something positive, there has to be the alternative that you resist. In order to love somebody self-sacrificially, you can't love them selfishly. In order to love the truth, you have to run away from a lack of truth. Jesus is
are sheep that wander, and we don't get everything right. As Pastor Daniel reminded us today, we are all prideful, dishonest, and hypocritical at times. But that's why Jesus died and rose again. We may be all those things, but we don't want to stay that way. Every morning, most of us do the same thing. We get up and push the button on the most important appliance in our house, the coffee maker. (laughs) A hot, steamy cup of coffee magically appears and we get our day started. This month, we want to be a part of that morning ritual. We always like to say thank you to those that choose to support Jesus Is Real Radio. This month, for anyone who gives a donation of any amount, plus shipping and handling, to Jesus Is Real Radio, well, we'll send you a Jesus Is Real Radio coffee mug. Every morning, you can fill up your Jesus Is Real Radio coffee mug and remember to pray for us. We want to see God do amazing things through Jesus Is Real Radio, and you can help. Check out JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on the Partner option to receive your own Jesus Is Real Radio coffee mug. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will help us to consider our responsibilities as friends to others. Our self-centeredness wants people around us that puffs us up, but that's not a true friend. You've been listening to Jesus Is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series entitled God's Tweets. Until then, may God bless.